Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. We know we're not really bad moms. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Holy cow. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I was missing for like hours. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. Should I be confessing up to all this stuff? Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are going on an exploration of the topic. Are you a bad mom? Am I a bad mom? Are we bad moms? (laughs) Bad mom moments. Yeah. Bad mom moments. I mean, here's the thing, right? We know we're not bad moms. We know we're awesome moms because if you listen to the podcast, that's just how we roll. We're just good moms. We're like, getting by moms, doing the best we can moms, but we know we're not really bad moms, but we've all had for sure some bad mom moments. And we're going to have a guest this week, Ariana Bradford. Her She's the host of the Not Your Average Mother podcast, and her new book is called Shame on You, Big Truths from a Bad Mom, and we love this book. So we thought it was the perfect opportunity to fess up because Everybody has bad mom moments, and we asked on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast, and we got some hilarious and vulnerable responses to what is your bad mom moment. And of course, the uniting thing is somebody would say something like, I don't really talk about this, but one time I did this, and what do you think immediately happens? Somebody replies, oh, I did the same thing, right? The things that we hold close because we really think, oh, nobody would get this one. Actually, nobody has forgotten to buckle the baby into her car seat except me, the worst mom of all time. Well, guess what? I've done it too. That's what I really actually like about this topic is that even in the feeling like a bad mom, if I often say like if I could remove the chip from people's brains, I would take out, you know, caring about what you weigh, I would take out there's just a lot of chips that are useless that I wish we could just have removed from our own brain and everyone else's brains. And am I a bad mom is the ultimate one of these <laughs> chips. Like the secret shame of everyone is doing it better than me and I'm really genuinely terrible. And this is, I mean, I love Ariana's book because it's so much about this and it's in such a funny way. She's just one of those moms who's like, yeah, I'm kind of barely getting by some days. But the tone of the book is so full of like funniness and love that of course she's a great mom because that's what people need in moms. Someone who's like, 
trying their best, having some fun, and kind of sometimes a hot mess. I was really, it was a truly like aha moment, really changed things for me when I interviewed Dr. Gewurz two weeks ago, Dr. Abigail Gewurz, and it had just truly never occurred to me that my sort of bad mom moments, such as they are, were caused by my anxiety, whether that anxiety made me rush or lash out or completely, you know, lose my patience and go dementor, like all of those things, it was actually my anxiety rushing in. And I mean, it doesn't make those things okay necessarily, but it makes them understandable. Like, oh, there was a very clear thing that made those things happen that I can be in control of in the larger sense. I just had never thought of it that way before. It kind of helped me have more compassion toward myself for the times that I have messed up. Oh, I'm going to say it did make them okay. I mean, okay. I don't even know what that word means, but like, of course, everybody has bad moments. And Mm -hmm. I think the fear of being thought of as a bad mother is so pervasive and it's maybe more so now. I feel like maybe my mom had the huge problem of being completely isolated and alone with three maniacs and then later four maniacs. Yep. And she didn't have a Facebook group of like, oh, me too. Oh, I know it's so hard. Like we have that community that our mothers didn't have. Yeah. She didn't have the thing of like, she would take the baby out and people would write on Facebook, like I saw a mom without her baby, you know, strapped him properly to the car seat. Like, right. I feel like this feeling like you are constantly under the microscope of like bad motherhood. And I'm all for helping people out like, oh, you know, hey, I don't know. Maybe I'm not for helping people out. I think we had a question (laughs) about this on something. We were guests on the Evie and Sarah Modern Manners for Moms. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. And they were talking about like, should you tell someone not to let their baby sleep in a certain way? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm team no. Like, mind your business. Everyone's doing their best. Well, you said it best on that. You're like, I'm team no because a hundred other people are going to do it. So don't take it on yourself. Yes. And I think that's the double-edged sword, right? Like there are many ways for us to communicate with each other, some of them anonymously. And so it's an opportunity for community and also an opportunity for judgment in all sorts of new ways. And can I say one more thing before we dive into our many awesome comments? Yes. The world is a dangerous place and we don't want that to be true. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Babies fall out of strollers. Bad things happen to kids. And so we think that by watching someone online and being like, the way you have that wrap is not tied safely and that baby could fall. Like we constantly feel it is our job to stop anything bad from happening to kids. I think it comes from a good place, but the result is like this kind of insane dynamic of like, if I can tell enough people on Facebook what they're doing wrong with their children, I am helping keep the children of the world safe. Not true. Yes. The worst kind of bad mom moment for me is the one where it's like, I knew this was stupid and I did it anyway. Can I fess up? Please do. My almost 16 year old, and he's, he's fine now when he was, you know, between one and a half, I had two little ones. I had two under two and I had them both in like one in a booster seat and one in a high chair. And I had, you know, the toddler like in the high chair, but not strapped in just with the tray on, right? Because I was rushing and dinner was late and one of them was crying. So I just sort of corralled him in with the tray, but I didn't also strap him in. And I turned around. I took the tray off the high chair 
and turned around to put it next to the sink so I could wash it. And my 14-month-old took that moment to decide to stand up in his high chair and like Mr. Magoo, (laughs) take a leap. Yeah, just walk out into space. And he hit the edge of the table on the way down. And, you know, he still has a almost imperceptible scar on his eyebrow from where that happened. We were just talking about it last night. Just enough to haunt you. Just enough. Just enough to haunt me. Right. Because it was my fault. I knew I had to strap him in every time and I didn't. I took a shortcut because I was rushing, because I was feeling anxious. And yeah, he needed stitches. Well, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was a bad mom to my laptop, Amy. It's less severe. (laughs) But I was sitting and working on my laptop and I had it kind of perched on the arm of this couch that was too narrow for it to really perch on. And I thought to myself like three times, I should get up and move somewhere where I'm not perched quite so precariously as I'm working. But I was also like kind of comfy and I was working on something and I was like, well, I'll do it after I finish this. And then of course, one of my kids came in and I turned to talk to them and I knocked the laptop off and it fell onto tile and it pretty much shattered. And I kept thinking about it all day. Like, that's how you make stupid mistakes. You hear that voice in your head tell you three times not to do it and you don't change. Yeah. And like, thank God it's a laptop and it can be replaced. But like, that's the kind of thing where like, I did it once with my baby, put him on the bed. He was, I don't know, when does a baby start rolling over? Like four months? He was about that age. Whenever a baby starts rolling over. (laughs) They'll surprise you. Yeah. That's the day they start. I was getting dressed. We were going out to dinner I think it was like one of the first times we'd left him the whole nine yards and I was getting dressed and I laid him on the bed and I kept thinking, I should probably move him to the floor, but I was busy getting dressed and putting makeup on and doing my hair, whatever I was doing. And of course he was like, here I go. I'm a roller now and rolled right off the bed (laughs) and fell. And on the way down, like caught the end table with his full face. You know, I mean, it was like a big and the noise was like, you know, and... (laughs) It's awful. And spoiler alert, he's fine, you know, but yeah, it's just, those are the moments. And I'm like, I knew I should have moved him. It's all my fault. And we all do stuff like that. Yep. Gretchen has a good one. We asked on our Facebook page about bad mom moments, keeping with the baby theme. She says, picture it, Toys R Us, December 2000 something. We had a two-year-old and a newborn, and we're not used to having two kids, decided to go shopping for Christmas and split up for efficiency. We met at the checkout line. My husband had our two-year-old and I, wait for it, did not have the baby. The baby was back where we left him in the Lego section, (laughs) sitting in his car seat in the buggy, sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, I have a cousin who married a guy who was one of 13 children. Same mom, same dad, Catholic family. And I said, what is it like to be one of 13? And I just always remember that he said, you know, you spend a lot of time places waiting for them to remember that they forgot you there. (laughs) It's like, right, you take 13 kids to Toys R Us, you leave like at least one of them every time. And then it's before the days of cell phones, like his family would just go home and you would just wait for a while. I have a friend and she has two kids. She took her kids to the local playground that they live like two miles away from and came home, was making dinner, blah, 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 blah. And then like two hours later, the door rang and it was one of her kids. She had forgotten him at the park. She only has two. (laughs) And he had walked like three miles home. He was like seven years old. And he was like really mad and crying. And he's like, I mean, I understand leaving me, but two hours you didn't realize you didn't have me. I feel like 
And it's like, yeah, these things happen. You get in a different zone. My friend is one of five boys and he has that story of being left at the grocery store. Cause like this was a different time, like Goldilocks alert. Like it wasn't that long ago that we just sort of all bounced around in the back of the station wagon, like mumbledy pegs, right? And just whatever happened, happened. Yeah. Throw them in. Take as many as you can. Take it, leave half of them home. And this poor mom. She had five boys and, you know, when you don't have five car seats and boosters, I can see this happening. So yeah, her neighbor found one of her, I think he was, yeah, about seven or eight, sort of walking along the side of the state highway towards his house and she brought him home. But here's what I want to say about this. Do you think that the dad say in this Toys R Us story, because I'm thinking like, okay, when your baby fell off the bed, your husband wasn't even there, right? And when my son fell out of the high chair, my husband wasn't there either. But at the Toys R Us, the dad was there. Do you think that the dad carries around like keeps in his heart forever the like I was such a bad parent that time that we left our baby in the Lego aisle. I mean one million percent no. No. Right. I think these are things that we nurse and nurture and like our secret shame and I don't know, like the things we, you know, say to ourselves in the magic mirror. Or yeah, our like public shame. I had this when I lived in Los Angeles. I was out playing with my kids in the front yard and all of a sudden I see like a baby. We lived in downtown Los Angeles. I mean, not, this is not like some little farm town. We're like right in the heart of Los Angeles. And I see a baby, like in a diaper, like an 18 month old, maybe a 16 month old walking down the street. And I'm like, oh, that's a cute baby. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why is there a baby walking down the street? (laughs) And I go out and I'm looking all over, you know, I'm like, oh, the mom must be around. No mom. So I pick up the baby. And she's cute and she doesn't seem scared of me or anything. And I start walking, but I have my own three kids, so I couldn't go that far from my house. And so I'm kind of walking outside my house, like anyone looking for a baby? And it's like five or 10 minutes that I'm holding this baby. And there was a church across the street and they were having a thing. And I walked into the church (laughs) and I said, is anyone missing this baby? No one's missing the baby. So I'm like, what? I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, do I have a baby now? Like, this is not what I need is a baby walking into my life. And I kind of want to go inside, but I don't want to call the police. I'm like, "Uh, let me see what developed for 10 minutes. And the baby seemed very, very happy. So we just like brought the baby into our yard and we're playing with it. And, you know, 10, 12 minutes later, this woman, I hear screaming, crazy, crazy screaming. And she's running down the street. And I was like, I have that. As soon as I saw her, I knew that was the mom. I said, oh, I have her. I have her. I have her. She came in and she kind of gathered. She's like, I fell asleep. I fell asleep. And she, I didn't, she somehow opened the front door. So she had fallen asleep on our couch and the baby just walked out the front door. Oh my gosh. And I felt so bad because I was like, it totally happened. I get it. Oh, she was playing with us. She's totally fine. And she like had her head down and she was crying and I was trying to like soothe her, but I could see she was in that red brain. Like there was no point even saying anything to her. Mm -hmm. And she ran the baby home and then I felt terrible. Every time I saw her after that, she would like hunch shoulders, like head down, like scurry past me. Like there's the woman who knows that I'm a terrible mom. My secret. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I wanted to like go over and sit with her for coffee and just be like, My baby smacked his face on an end table. This happens to all of us, but I could just tell it was like, uh, she was not able to even like lift her head long enough to be like, I'm so sorry. My mom lost me once at a shopping mall. And I mean, it is sort of my earliest memory is walking through the 
mall. I was about six, maybe five, no older than that. And I remember walking through the mall and crying and wondering why nobody was helping a little girl who was clearly crying. Like I didn't go up to somebody and ask for help. I decided to like sort of put on a show and see what <laughs> developed. And instead of staying where I was, I walked away. I walked into the mall out of the store that we were in. And by the time my mom heard her name on the PA system and, you know, had lost about a decade of her life and went like running through the mall. I was uh, eating a pretzel and riding on the merry-go-round in the middle of the mall. And, you know, it was all good. And I mean, I remember because of the pretzel. I can for sure one up that story, Amy, but we need to get to our guest, Ariana Bradford. We're going to talk to her about her own bad mom moments and then we will be back. Okay. Sounds good. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. All right. So we're here with our interview with Ariana Bradford. She is the author of the new book, Shame on You, Big Truths from a Bad Mom. Welcome, Ariana. Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for inviting me on. And you are also the host of a podcast of your own. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it is called the NIAM Project Podcast. It's dedicated to talking about motherhood in a very honest way and usually kind of goes between being funny and honest and I had two very amazing people on it. You may know them. Their names are Amy Wilson and Margaret Abels. <laughs> I mean, no and... pressure, but would you say it was your best episode ever? <laughs> it was, without a doubt, one of my favorites ever. It's All it... right. We will accept that answer. We will accept that answer. <laughs> Guys, Ariana is our type of mom. She is funny. 
kind of serious about some things when it's appropriate and kind of laid back. And what I like about this book, which you should all get, is that it's like a very funny collection of essays, a little more sweary than we are here on the What Fresh Hell podcast, which I think you are all probably fine with. As long as you disclose that up front, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, we try not to be sweary mostly because I think a lot of our moms like to listen with their kids in the background. I don't think it's because you're not actually sweary people, moms. So this is all good for you. Ariana, what made you want to write this book? A lot of things, really. But the biggest thing being that I felt like I kept hearing the same things over and over again from moms that I spoke to. They were usually talking about just, you know, how ashamed they felt to do things that moms should be allowed to do. Like, oh, I feel guilty for being sick for the past week and, you know, taking a rest. And I always thought that that was ridiculous. But then I realized that it's ridiculous because nobody ever wants to talk about it with one another because we're always afraid that we're going to be the ones to say it out loud and be judged. So I just was like, you know, I've read a lot of parenting books and even though I shouldn't say parenting books, they're usually kind of similar to mine in that they're like sarcastic parenting books. But you know, I've read them and there just are certain things that I wished people had told me. So I decided that I was going to write the book that I wish I had had when I started becoming a parent. I think you've totally hit on, we were talking about bad mom moments in this episode and the incredibly freeing thing of admitting your deepest shame. Like one time I drove home from Target and I forgot to buckle the baby in first and I drove the whole way home that way. Like (laughs) I thought you were going to say forgot the baby because someone (laughs) definitely did that too. Somebody did that too. Right. That's the whole point. Like it doesn't matter the thing that you nurse, your deepest, darkest, like I can't believe I did this. If you share it, you know, we saw on our own Facebook page, there's always somebody else to be like, oh, I did that. I totally did that. And it sets you free from the burden of I have failed. And I'm also the only one. Exactly. And that's part of, you know, where the Nyan project itself and, and this book came from is that I'm very passionate about like, listen, <laughs> you think that you're the only one who's done anything. And it's not true. We've all screwed up and made the same screw ups over and over and over again. And the only way that we're going to come to terms with the fact that like, we're not perfect, but that's okay, is if we talk to one another and realize, oh, you did this too? That's great. We talk a lot about this and I wonder your opinion on it. Harder for us or harder for, and we're probably a little older than you. So when I say our moms, I realize your mom might be a bit younger than my mom, but Is it harder for like our mom's generation or for us? Like on the one hand, I think social media has the great benefit that we can kind of share a little bit more. Like this isn't the greatest for me all the time, which I think my mom didn't have that outlet. But on the flip side, there's kind of the thing of like myself and my family were making homemade puppet theater today. And you're like, wait, what? Like we spent the entire day (laughs) fighting over Fortnite. So that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know that it's really a thing, but it's definitely a thing that people like post that they're doing on social media. Oh yeah. So I've been asked this before. And honestly, I think that it's easier for us. And I know that some people would look at me like I'm full of it and be like, no, things are really rough right now. But I honestly think that it's easier for us and we're just not using the tools correctly. Hmm. Say more about that. Because, yeah, because, you know, I feel like when our parents were coming up, there wasn't really anybody at all who was supporting them in being 
open and honest about what was going on. Like if they, you know, were mad at their kids, they were supposed to keep that to themselves. Mm-hmm. Even if you go as far back as the 1950s, it was like, you need to be, you know, you need to have makeup on and be well quaffed and the children need to be clean and there needs to be dinner on the table and you need to be quiet so that he can relax after his day at work. You know, like there was never anything about taking care of yourself. Yeah, we're not doing that anymore, guys. No, we're not doing that anymore. And now, even though it is still a small movement, the movement is getting larger in that we are hearing more people say like, no, we want you to be honest. We want you to be real. We want you to reach out if you need help. Don't be quiet about these things because this is how you are going to feel better. Now, when I say that we're not using it the right way, I mean that posting of the, you know, in the puppet theater, for example, there's like two things going on there. One, you might have somebody who's doing it because they feel like they need to be a certain way. And that's not really using it the right way. But then there's the other side of it where they're not using it the right way in that maybe that is what they do. And frankly, I mean, I wouldn't. But if that is something that they want to do, you get judged for that too. Absolutely. That's true. I judge you for that. I judge you for your at-home puppet theater. Yes, exactly. Or, you know. I'm going to say something. I have never considered what you just said. Sometimes people, I always see the puppet theater mom and I'm like, you're a phony. (laughs) And you're a liar. I have never, ever, I'm not even joking. Like I've never considered that that might be that person's happy place and they're doing it from a very sincere and authentic place. Yeah. We honestly, we often don't because like it makes us, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Like people love how honest I am right? and I'm glad that they do. And cause that's me, that's coming from my place. But then I'm also really good friends with a person, for example, who loves getting up at 4 a.m. and baking cookies for her kids. Wow. And you've maintained a friendship with this person. Yes. And we have, and she's probably one of my closest friends. Yeah, I adore her. Hmm. And she's one of those people who I think if she was to tell people that, they'd be like, oh, come on. Right. You're so fake. That's not parenthood. Yeah, I would say that to her. I would think that about her. I wouldn't say it to her, but I would, I would think, think that it. about exactly. her. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. And it's hard because, you know, we always want to talk about judgment from the point of, oh, well, people judge moms who are a hot mess. And they do. Like, there have been people who are like, here's a picture of my kids screaming and the room is a mess. And you'll have people who are also are the same people, by the way, who will be like, oh, be honest online, who are like, clean your house. Why is your house such a mess? Why is your kid crying? So there is judgment there too. Don't get me wrong. But we always pay attention to that side of the judgment and never the fact that we try to define for other people what their parenthood is. And just because it might not match what we would do. And so, you know, I think that we kind of use it the wrong way in that way too, in that we use our social media too often to define ourselves to the point where we're like, oh, this person has a perfectly clean house. That's fake. And it's like, no, maybe she just actually likes cleaning her house. She's weird, but good for her. Like (laughs) that has nothing to do with the fact that you don't. And it doesn't make you any less of a person or any worse of a mother because you're not like that person with the clean house. I think that they're from the same place. Like we're just seeking validation. Like, hello, is anybody there? Right. If you have a super clean house, Mm -hmm. And it's like the tree that falls in the forest, right? Like, especially right now, like, look at my beautiful living room that (laughs) no one will ever see again. See me. Right. See my spreadsheets. See my spreadsheets. (laughs) See my 
whose breath on nobody else is seeing it. Someone needs to see it. See my beautiful, you know, tomatoes that I grew that I'm not going to like have anybody over for dinner to enjoy this year or check out my sourdough starter. That's everybody. (laughs) Right. Or see my disaster of a playroom. Like, I think maybe that's a little bit more fashionable in 2020. Like, you know, I'm Chardonnay mom and I'm a hot mess. But both of those people are looking for, like, see me. Is there anybody else out there like me? And the answer is yes. It's a good thing. We shouldn't judge the people who are asking for validation and support in different ways than we might. We shouldn't? (laughs) I have to get on that. I have to learn that. (laughs) Margaret's over there like, excuse me? I mean, it's very interesting. I didn't sign I'm like, don't take my judgment from me with everything else. I've lost everything, Amy. all I have left. (laughs) You have taken all of my stuff. All I have left is judging people (laughs) on the intranet. For God's sakes, I don't get to go anywhere. Can I just at least judge people on the internet? Use burlap napkins, unironically? I mean, I'm figuring this out too. Like, I am sort of like, oh, right. Yeah, I'm not supposed to judge the person who's too perfect either. Yeah, this is actually like an eye-opening conversation for me because I do think in, in a way, I've been on the internet as a mom for a long time, as a writer and a blogger and other things. And I have definitely like, I'm firmly hashtag team hot mess mom. And so our persona is like, oh, if you sit down and like post a picture of your kid reading, you're a horrible person. And I do think the it's we're kind of like it's the rise of the hot mess moms, right? Like the moms who are actually have their act together and like things nice are probably, you know, kind of in the minority now. Wow. I got it. They're starting to kind of deal with what hot mess moms dealt with in the very beginning. And you're right. Like they are kind of now becoming the weirdos in the whole. <laughs> They're the bad moms in a way. Yeah. And do you have to choose one side of the fence or the other? Like, can't you make a really. <laughs> yes, you have to choose. It's a civil war, Amy, and you have to choose. That's what I mean. Like, we're setting up, like, you can either bake zucchini bread or you can, you know, not care what your kid's hair looks like today, but you can never be both. And of course, everybody's both. Every single one of us is on both. Everybody's both. Well, isn't that the problem of the world? You make really nice birthday cakes, Margaret. You make beautiful birthday cakes, and I don't. I do. I make very fancy birthday cakes. Very, very fancy. And guess what I do when I'm done with them? I post pictures of them on Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is the hardness of life, right? It's a hard, isolating job being a mom and you kind of feel like you're in this weird horse race with everyone else and you've got to always know your spot and am I ahead or behind and, you know, uh, and so then it becomes kind of reactionary. Like, not am I, I'm not even in the race. I'm over here doing my own thing and everyone in the race is a fool. And it's not, no, it just, yeah, it's not great. If you could help, I always think about this, Ariana, if you could help like a new mom, right? Somebody who's, how old are your kids? We didn't even talk about that. They're little. Yeah, they're little. My youngest is four and my oldest will be turning six in a month. Thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Thank you. I always think of like the thing that I want the new mom to understand so that she can like jump the line, so to speak, like kind of skip the five years of feeling bad about herself first. And I'm not sure it's possible. I think you have to learn these things for yourself. But if you could tell a new mom a big truth, what might it be? that negative feelings are normal because <laughs> we never tell moms that like you mean negative feelings towards your children towards yourself towards life towards your children towards yourself towards motherhood towards life like you just it's almost like people sell this bill of goods that once you have kids it's nothing but like unicorn <laughs> farts and sparkles and it's not 
it's like, okay, yes, there were wonderful things that happened. There are great things that happen, but sometimes there are going to be terrible things that happen. And sometimes they happen within two seconds of each other. Right. And that's totally okay to be like, oh my God, I love my kid. He's stroking my hair. Okay. Now he's pulling my hair. Okay. Now he's trying to bite my face and now I hate him. That's okay. <laughs> and it's normal. It doesn't make you a bad parent. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean that, you know, you are broken somehow that you don't love your child 24 seven and that you're not. And I hate when people say this, there's no way you're going to enjoy every moment. Right. That's a lie. My brother has an expression when I was, had my first, he said, you know, at some point, how's it going? And I was like, ah, good days and bad days. He's like, yeah, have another. Then you'll have good days and bad days on the same day. And it's like, <laughs> right. This is good days and bad days all the time. Exactly. But we're never told like then the amount of comments that I see on social media, like just trashing parents for being honest about that kind of thing still irritates me. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's okay to say like, you know, I have one friend, all of her jokes, she's very funny. All of her jokes are about how her three-year-old is the devil, which is fine. It's hilarious to me. But there are people who will comment and say, well, if you didn't want to deal with this, why did you have kids in the first place? And it's like, you do realize that this is just like a snippet of her life. Like, I'm sure she doesn't wake the child up in the morning going, good morning, you're the devil. Right. And then put her to bed saying, good night, you're the devil. <laughs> like, she loves this child. She just also drives her crazy sometimes. That's normal. I also think that this is something that waves. Don't you think, Amy, that like we went through, Amy has kids who are, you know, a couple years older than mine. Then I have kids who are a couple years older than yours. And I feel like this conversation has waved through a bunch of times already, right? Which is like, oh, you know, we have to stop shaming moms. And I don't know, it feels very circular to me. It is because the thing, the, the problem that people have, and I think I mentioned this to you guys when we were speaking on my show before, is that nowadays we think that our comments are needed all the time. Oh, yes. This is a good truth. Like, I actually don't tell people not to judge because judging is normal. Like, <laughs> we judge all the time. Like, when Margaret was like, don't take away my judgment. Like, actually, Margaret, if it makes you feel any better, you can. Right. You can't. You'll pry it from me. No. Yeah. No, you can have judgment all you want. Like judgment is natural. Like I'm not going to lie. There have been times that I have been outside and I have seen somebody doing something with their kid and I've been like, okay, that's weird. And I'm just going to turn around and walk in the opposite direction. Judgment's natural. The difference is when you take that judgment and you feel like everybody needs to know about it. That's when it becomes an issue. And we can keep saying, stop judging moms all we want. But the problem isn't that we're judging moms. It's that we're also acting on those judgments and making sure that they have to know about our judgments. And that's the mistake. Like, keep it to yourself. It doesn't all need to be an outside thought. It reminds me on Twitter, authors are always saying like, it's okay not to like my book, but please don't tag me in your bad review of my book. Like, why are you exactly. doing that? <laughs> don't do that for moms either. I joke all the time. People who are like, I say it to your face. I'm like, Please don't say it to my face. Say it to your partner on the way home in the car. Don't say anything to my face. I don't want to know what you think of me. Say it behind my back. Please say it behind my back because then I don't have to be involved. <laughs> so Ariana's new book is called Shame on You, Big Truths from a Bad Mom. I'm going to put a link to buy the book on our show page at What Fresh Health Podcast. And you can also swipe and tap wherever you're listening right now. I'll have a link. But Ariana, tell us more about the book and you and where we can find you. For sure. So 
Like Margaret and Amy mentioned, it is a collection of very sweary essays talking about not just parenting, not just children, but also how to best treat yourself and how to kind of remove the shame of treating yourself like a human being because that's what you are and because that's what you were before you had kids. And if you want to keep up with the NIAM project, you can actually do that on all social media under the NIAM project. And that's spelled N-Y-A-M, stands for Not Your Average Mom. And if you're wanting to follow up with just me personally on Facebook under The Ariana Bradford with two N's and also at my website, thearianabradford.com. It was so <laughs> great having you on. Thanks for, so much. And we're really looking forward to your book. Thanks so much for having me. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. And now, moms on social media versus moms in real life. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Moms on social media. We spent the day reading Sense and Sensibility while enjoying a replica full English noontime tea. In the afternoon, we were so inspired that we dug a fresh garden and planted a beautiful complement of perennials. Moms in real life. 
I really tried to get my kids off screens, but they really didn't want to. Moms on social media. We had a simple rustic lasagna tonight with the cheese that the kids helped me make by hand. On the side, oh, we had this beautiful endive salad. OMG, the kids loved it. And some warm sourdough, which I made, obs. Moms in real life. I microwaved some hot dogs and threw down some baby carrots and the kids said it tasted like garbage. Moms on social media. No camp? No problem. I've created a themed wonderland for my kids to explore each day. Monday is a space theme. Tuesday, the world of wizarding. Wednesday, great women of history. Moms in real life. I spent $500 on a trampoline and they got sick of it after three days. Moms on social media. Children's ears are like a delicate pitcher. We must fill it carefully and only with words of love and wisdom. Mom's in real life. Oh, I'll give you something to cry about. Get your shoes on or I'm putting a free children's sign on the front lawn. This has been Moms on Social Media versus Moms in Real Life. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. It was great talking to Ariana. Everyone go get her book. Amy, I'm gonna, as I mentioned before, when we broke from part one, do you know this story? I feel like maybe we did this on Two Truths and a Lie or something, but do you know that I was lost for like six hours once when I was a child? No. Yeah. I mean, I was lost. Like the police were involved. There was like an APB. There was like radios. I mean, I we were staying with my grandmother and we had like a babysitter, like a teenager who was watching us on the beach. My mom was playing tennis. My grandmother was in the house and I told the babysitter I was going to the house and when I walked up to the house, there was this weird gate. And I was always like, what's on the other side of that? I was two and a <laughs> half, three years old. I mean, I was really, really little. Oh, no. It must have been a jar because it was usually locked. And I walked through it. And then I started walking because I was like, I'm on the other side of the gate. I can't believe it. I mean, I don't know how much of this I remember because I was so little. But basically, then when I turned around, I turned around too many times and I couldn't figure out which way was back. Yeah. And so I started walking the wrong way. And I walked for three hours and nobody could find me. So my mom came home from playing tennis and said to my grandma, where's Meg? Then they went out to the beach and said to the babysitter, oh, she's out on the beach with the babysitter. The babysitter said, no, no, I sent her into the house with you. And my mom said like the second she heard that, she just was like, she's gone. She's missing. And she called the police and they were like, it's only been a half an hour. And she's like, I don't care. She's three years old and we're at a beach, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they had people like out in the water, like looking for me. The police were looking for me. And anyway, I walked for like three hours. I was on the boardwalk kind of a thing. And at the end of the boardwalk, I got to a marina and a guy came off the boat and he's like, are you the little girl everyone's looking for? And he'd heard on the radio that there was a missing kid. Holy cow. Yeah. And so he brought me out to the police. Holy cow. Yeah. But can you imagine my mom? I was missing for like hours. And definitely like the traumatization afterwards is your mom's more than your own. Oh my gosh. Well, the real person who was traumatized in that situation, the babysitter oh. was like, I lost this baby, you know? And so my, she was like some girl from like Kansas who would come in for the summers because she wanted to spend the summer in New York and help take care of the kids. She was like kind of like an au pair, but like a au pair, you know? oldie timey apparently it was a very loose arrangement and my mom 
said they weren't sure they would use her the next summer, but the next summer they were like, we have to like call her back because she's going to think that we didn't want her because she lost the baby. <laughs> All she did was lose the baby. Apparently she was like completely traumatized by it. And thank God it had a happy ending. Wow. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad mom moment, bad babysitter moment. But look, it happens. When you said two truths and a lie, this made me think of what I thought was the absolute winner of all the people who came to our Facebook page and put forth their own bad mom moments. This is Trisha's. She says, my son jumped out a second story window when he was two. I was about four feet away from him. Oh my God. I love this one. <laughs> I was about four feet away from him. There was a screen in the window. One second he was there. The next he was gone. And then, then there are many mitigating circumstances afterwards. Number one, he was fine. Number two, he was potty training. So he fell out naked from the waist down. That's a hard one to explain. So she called 911, but she got him dressed first before she called 911. <laughs> Cover up the scene of the crime. I like your style. And when the EMT showed up, he told her that some kid had just fallen out a window last week and had landed on an AC unit and he was fine. So that made her feel a little bit better. The child found the x-rays much more traumatizing than the fall out the window. And this kid who was fine is now 11. And when he plays Two Truths and a Lie, that's his good story. I like Carrie's. Last year, I lost track of one of my daughters in an indoor playground in the mall, found her at the stroller parking, digging into a pregnant mom's food court leftovers. <laughs> Triple fail. I mean, first of all, that's a good sign for the kid. She knows where the good stuff is. Right, right. She knows who to go to for food. And she knows how to find it. Like, that's pretty impressive. I have a pretty good one of my own. Bad mom moment. Should I be fessing up to all this stuff? I guess I'm going to. Here I go. I don't know. I think the statute of limitations for CPS is probably uh, expired, don't you think? Yes, it is. That same kid, by the way. I mean, not funny, but absolutely true. So one kid, one of my three children needed stitches four times before his fourth birthday. Some kids are just like that. That It's always that way to me. Like there's always one kid again and again and again. Right? Like two of my kids have had zero stitches ever and one kid had four on his head before his fourth birthday. So anyway, when we were yeah. repeat customers at the ER for, he fell out of the high chair and then six months later, oh God, I don't even remember what they all were anymore, but like he slipped and hit his head on the countertop. There we were back at the ER and yeah, and Child Protective Services. I didn't realize it was happening until I was halfway through what I thought was a pleasant enough conversation. You know what I mean? And then I was like, <gasps> it's happening. They're interviewing me. Right. And then you're like, uh oh, this is not good. And they were trying to get him, he was only about two and a half, they were trying to get him to say what happened, and he just was like, you know, big truck, that was about what he could say at that time. But I think I was saved because I had gone to the emergency room with a diaper bag full of, like, toys and snacks and books, and when they came in, he was, like, driving his trucks around. Yeah, yeah, like, she brought him trucks, so I guess he was okay. Right, you look like you were doing okay. Right, he was happy. That happened to me, I had a kid who fell, we had set up we were having an adult party and we had set the our playroom up like a movie theater and my kid went to get up. It was dark and he tripped and he bonked his eye like right on the corner of the table and he didn't need stitches or anything, but it came up as like a cartoon black eye. Like it was just huge and black. Like it literally looked like someone had punched him right in the face. So I sent him to school and I didn't think or didn't realize, take this from me, guys. If your child has a really bad black eye, call the school beforehand and be like, <laughs> this is what happened. Because of course, I never thought of that. I just sent him to school and they called and they were like, hi, what happened? And I said, oh, yeah. Oh, he fell this weekend. He um, tripped and fell in our playroom. And the nurse said to me, oh, 
He told us it happened in a movie theater. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no, our stories don't match. And I was like, no, no, see, we set the playroom up as a movie theater. That's why he said movie theater. And I was like, oh, no, now I'm just doomed. And you just waited on the front steps for the cops to come, but it didn't happen? No, they didn't. They never showed up. They had something else to do that day, I guess. Kimberly has a genre of mom moment that I feel, bad mom moment that I feel like we have not explored yet. When my son was two, she said, he got his head stuck in the stair rails. I definitely went to find my phone to take a picture before attempting to free him. (laughs) I like this one where you're like, yeah, it was a bad mom moment, but I wasn't going to let that go by. It's not that bad. If he was safer than usual, that two-year-old, he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. It was like you could have maybe gone out and gotten dinner. You're like, I know where he's going to be when we come home. I think that that is a healthy impulse. I have a memorable picture of my two kids. Like one was really pulling the other one's hair. And it's just like the perfect picture. And I did take a picture before I separated them. (laughs) Sometimes it's a good shot. Let's go to the ones where we get ratted out by our kids. I mean, this is a more passive bad mom moment, but it's still hilarious. Rebecca says, when my daughter was five, we went out to dinner and I ordered a large margarita. For some reason, they brought two. And my daughter said to the waiter, just leave it. My mommy will drink that one, too. (laughs) I had this once where someone mentioned beer and one of my kids shouted so loud, beer, that's my mom's favorite (laughs) drink. It's like, well, I mean, I like it. I don't know if it's my favorite. But I think like what saves you is the understanding that like, even though you're in that moment, you want to like crawl into a hole. Everybody else listening is actually having this me too. Like, oh, thank God I'm not the only one. Well, as you said in the beginning, and I feel like this is so key. You tell someone your darkest bad mom secret, their reaction is going to be, I know someone who something 10 times worse happened to, you know? I mean, it just works that way. And that is the power of the mom community. That's why I love Ariana's book because it's like, guys, we are all mess at this in our own ways. And we all have this unbelievable deep animal instinct to keep our children safe. And we realize to some degree how difficult and impossible that job is, you know? Right. And I so remember like holding my newborn. I had really bad like postpartum anxiety and thinking like, of like the 20 scars that I have on my body. Like this is where my sister, you know, scratched me so deeply that I still have a scar. This is where someone threw a lawn dart and it hit me in the leg. This is where, and like this scarless baby that I was holding, like, oh my God, what is going to happen to this poor kid, you know? And like the idea that it is your job to prevent that is just so anxiety producing. And at the end of the day, You're not that much in control of it, and that's hard, but it doesn't make you a bad mom. That's what I want to say, Amy. No. If you're holding this stuff in, like, find somebody to talk to. You don't necessarily have to tell 10,000 moms in a mom group because there's judgment lurking everywhere. But the more you're holding something in, the more it's going to eat at you. The more you're holding it in, right, the more it's probably an indication like you need to unburden yourself. You need to talk to somebody. And if you are struggling with anger or anxiety, it's not something you have to handle alone. And I hope if anything today, this has shown you like, we've done it. We've all done it. And our kids are big. And my kid fell out of the high chair. And you know, he's a sophomore in high school now and everything's fine. Amy, I want to finish strong on one that's funny. And I also have a one up too, which is Sam says we were on a holiday at the beach. My son ran down to the water's edge, pulled his trunks down, 
put his hands on his hips and peed into the sea. Then mid-wee, I believe Sam is from somewhere overseas, he twisted around to wave at us and shouted, it's a lovely day. (laughs) I love this story. And I have a worse one, which is that I took my kids to the beach. I had at the time, you know, I have three very close kids. So I probably had like a three, two and one year old and my three year old or maybe four year old. As soon as I get unpacked, oh, now we, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, there's no way I can like take all the three of these kids back to the bathroom. So I was like, just go and swim and just pee in the water while you're in there. It's the ocean, guys. It's not like I'm not saying to do this in the pool. <laughs> he goes down to the ocean, stops at the edge. There's people all over, puts his trunks like around his ankles, starts peeing in the ocean. And then when I start yelling at him, he screams back for the whole beach to hear, you're the one who told me to come pee in the ocean. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I think we'll be leaving the beach sooner than I originally (laughs) anticipated. But that's the thing, guys. Everyone's got one. Everyone's got one. And it's probably even worse than yours. You are not alone. Oh, we want to thank Ariana Bradford. Her new book is called Shame on You, Big Truths from a Bad Mom. I'm going to put a link to get the book up on our show page at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. And where else can you find us? We're on Facebook at What Fresh Hellcast. We're on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast. We are on Twitter at WFH Podcast. You can, and we're even on YouTube and TikTok now. Come on, guys. Join the party. All the things. Come find us. If you're on social media, we're there. Come find us. Follow us. Subscribe to the podcast. And guys, we'll talk to you next week. All you bad moms, you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.